invite you this morning to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6. We'll be starting with verse 24 and reading through verse 34 this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Pastor John will be preaching from in just a few minutes. Matthew chapter 6. Starting, actually start with verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, diet neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or whether all shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. If you have your Bibles want to turn open to the book of Matthew, you know we have been camped out there for a few uh, weeks, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to, to 34, and if you have your bulletin, want to grab your notes, and you can follow along, and I know that uh, you can read, and from, uh, from your notes, you know today we're talking about winning the war against worry, and as you look at your notes, I know some of you already are worrying. Uh, by the fact that they're uh, front and back, and, and I assure you, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, we'll be done by next Sunday sometime. Uh, but, but, but no, if, but if you have your Bibles, want to open up there and get your notes out, it'll help you to follow along, and we're going to talk about winning uh, the war against worry. And, and as I was thinking about this, I was thinking uh, earlier this year, actually May, uh, something uh, happened in, in the entertainment world. In May this year, uh, Charlie Sheen uh, had a falling out with his his uh, employer, CBS. Charlie Sheen is is from Hollywood royalty, uh, son of Martin Sheen, and uh, he was the highest paid actor on TV, making millions of dollars uh, an episode for his show. And Charlie's life was spinning out of control. Uh, he was abusing substances, and 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 it was starting to affect his work and his behavior on set and. And they decided that his employer, CBS, decided that they were going to fire him. And it became a very public spectacle. 
between CBS and, and Charlie, and Charlie took on this, this media campaign really to smear CBS and just to, to say that they were just a bunch of, of idiots and they were so stupid for, for firing him. And, and Charlie coined this phrase in this whole uh, uh, onslaught of media attention, and he coined this phrase and he said, he, when he was talking about his situation, he said he was winning. And uh, every 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 uh, interview that he did and and everything like that, he was always making it out that CBS were the losers and he was winning. And uh, it's interesting to know that in reality he really wasn't winning. His life was out of control. Uh, he had lost his job, uh, and um, those closest to him, his kids, he lost the opportunity to see his kids because his life was out of control, and he was actually losing. And it was interesting in this last month, uh, Charlie has kind of reappeared on the scene and, uh, he is sober. And, um, he pretty much said that at that point he really wasn't winning. He was losing. Uh, his life was out of control and, and, uh, he didn't blame CBS for firing him. Uh, that he, he didn't have, he didn't have a, a handle on, on the issues in his life and, and, and he wasn't winning. And when it comes to this, this concept of worrying, I think we as believers have this sense that we're winning the battle of worry. But if we're really honest, if we really look deep into our lives and, and, and to what we spend our time on, I think that we'd be honest and say, maybe we're really not winning this battle of worry. Because I don't know about you, but if you really think hard, there are things... In your life, there are things in my life that I worry about. And today we're going to look to see what Jesus has to say about worry and how, how with his help we can overcome uh, worry and win this battle on worry. And, and in verse 25 of chapter 6, we start off there and we see that the, the verse starts off with therefore. And we know that, that we've, we've uh, uh, hopefully been in, in, in the Bible long enough that when we see the word therefore, we need to ask the question, what is it there for? It connects it to the, the previous thought or the previous uh, uh, message of the verses ahead of that. And we know that Pastor Dick talked to us last week about this, this whole concept of that we can't serve God and money. We, we, we can't serve God and, and chase after material things. And so, and so Jesus is, 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 was communicating to, to his followers, to those listening to him, that, you know what, you need to make a choice. Either serve God or you serve money. And he was hoping that their choice would be to serve God. And so, and he's hoping our choice is the same this morning, that if we're going to serve God, therefore, we need to take into consideration what he says here in verses 25 to 34. And the first thing that we need to keep in consideration of the winning this against the, the war against worry is we need to keep this in mind. Have faith in God's providence. Jesus is starting off this passage in the first few verses, and he's telling us we need to have faith in God's providence. In verses 25 to 32, and it says this in those verses, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. 
They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. Jesus starts off in these first couple verses and he says, have faith in God's providence. Have faith in God's providence. And he, and he tells us a, a few things in this, in this idea of and when we have faith in God's providence, we need to do a few things. And first of all, he tells us we shouldn't worry. Jesus tells us not to worry. In verse 25, in verse 31, and in verse 34, three times, Jesus tells us, do not worry. It's not a suggestion. He says flat out, do not worry. Now, if you can remember when you had little kids, and, and, uh, and when you had a little kid and, 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 and you told them something, you said, do not do this. What's the normal reaction? The normal reaction of the kids in my house, which maybe it's not much different than yours, hopefully not, is when I, especially Zachary, he's a little rambunctious, you know, he likes to play with dolls and, and all those kind of things that we talked about before, but, um, you know, but, but he is energetic and he's all high energy and, and he's going, 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 and if you tell him, do not do this, what's he going to do? He's going to do it. He's going to push the envelope. He's going to try to see how much he can get away with. And you know what? We're all like that. It's our sin nature. And, and, and Jesus says, do not worry. It's pretty clear. It's pretty, uh, he's saying we should not worry. He tells it three times. And when he tells us something three times, I think he wants us to pay attention. He wants us to listen. He wants us to realize, hey, this is important. Therefore, I'm saying it three times. Do not worry. And when you look at the word worry, in the original Greek, uh, the word means distracted. And I like that definition because when I think about worrying and, and when I look at my life and when I'm worrying about something, I'm distracted. I, I'm very distracted because I have something else on my mind. And, and, and I'm not really living presently in the moment. I am thinking about something else. And so we know from the Greek that worry means to be distracted. And the English word for worry comes from an old German word meaning to strangle or to choke. And I like that, I, that, that word picture too because when you worry about something, what does it do? It strangles or chokes the life out of you. It strangles and chokes the focus out of living here and now because you're focused on something else. You miss what's happening right now. You miss on living out uh, in the moment right now. And, and so uh, worry means distracted or to strangle or to choke. And oftentimes, that's what happens when we worry. We are distracted. John MacArthur said this. It's in, it's in your notes. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promise and providence of God. And yet it is a sin that Christians commit perhaps more frequently than any other. Bottom line, Jesus tells us, don't worry. He tells us three times it's a command. And when we worry, we're breaking the command of Jesus. We're sinning. We are, we're going against uh, what God wants us to do and how he wants us to live our lives. And so, we, you know, we need to have faith in God's providence and we need 
to not worry. We need to listen to Jesus' advice and not worry. He tells us not to worry. And then he goes on and he makes four statements why we shouldn't worry. He makes four statements why we shouldn't worry. And, and, and the first statement's found in verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? The first statement Jesus makes is, hey, don't worry about life. Don't worry about life. And life is a comprehensive term here. It's, it means our, our physical life, our spiritual life, our emotional life. It's an, it's, it's an all-encompassing. Don't worry about your life and, 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 and your total life. And when you think about worrying and worrying about things of this life, worry is really the opposite of contentment. When we worry and when we allow worry into our life, we are not content. We're not satisfied with how God has blessed us, what he has done for us, and where he has brought us. And so worry is, is the opposite of contentment. And Paul talks about uh, this idea of not worrying and being content in Philippians 4, 11, and 12. And, it's, and Paul says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I think Paul gives us a great picture of his life, and, and as he was living his life and living his ministry, he pretty much says, you know what? I wasn't worried about my life, where my next meal was going to come from, where I was going to spend the next night, because God was going to take care of me. Paul was content with knowing that God would, would take care of him. And he didn't allow worry into his life. And, and you know what? We can be content too, just like Paul. And we can be content because of three important things. Number one, God owns everything. God owns everything. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord, Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And First Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You're exalted as head over all. We can be content because God owns everything. He owns everything we see. He, he owns everything. And, and we also can be content because God controls everything. In the next verse in there, in First Chronicles 29, 12, it says, Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Not only does God own everything, God controls everything. So we can be content because He controls everything. And thirdly, God provides everything. Philippians 4.19 And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's Paul talking again. And Paul is saying, you know what? God provided everything I needed. I'm content with that. I don't need to worry. So, you know, we can be content and not worry because God owns everything. He controls everything. And He provides everything. And so, you know, Jesus, Jesus tells us that, that, that we should not worry about our life. And think about it. If God's powerful enough to create our life, if He's powerful enough to create life, He's also powerful enough to provide the food and the clothing that we need to sustain life. 
we don't need to worry about the necessities of this life. And, and, and Jesus says, hey, don't worry about life. Don't worry about the necessities of life. I'm in control. I own everything. And I'll provide. So don't worry. One of the other statements that Jesus makes about worry is found in verse 26. And he says, don't worry. God cares for creation, the birds. Verse 26 says this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable? Are we not much more valuable than they? I don't know about you, but I'm not a huge animal lover. And if you spend any time with me, you know that I'm not a huge animal lover. And you know that my kids are trying constantly to get an animal in our house, and I refuse. And, uh, and one of the animals that I think is, is, is one of the worst animals are birds. Uh, I think birds are stupid. Uh, you know, and, 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 and you may like birds. You know, I remember in high school, my, my girlfriend had a bird at her house, and, and I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. It made a lot of noise, and it made a big mess. And, and you probably may be able to, to, uh, uh, identify with that. Uh, you know, when we were in the Dominican Republic, you know, what do we hear every morning? We heard chickens, you know, the roosters crowing. And then, uh, they made a lot of noise. And if you go out to your car this afternoon in the parking lot, you may see some traces of birds and on, on your car. And then you might think that they're stupid too, because they've ruined, uh, your, your nice clean car. But, uh, a few summers ago, I remember I was sitting in my office downstairs. And I was hearing this noise across the hall, and this thumping noise. I was thinking, what, what is going on here? And, and I continued to hear this for about a week until finally one day, I, I got into the, the room across the hall just in time to realize what it was. It was a bird flying into the window. And that bird flew into that window for the whole summer. I mean, that, that bird, you know, every, every day I hear multiple times, I hear thump, thump. And I, you know, and, and if I got there in time, I could see the bird kind of like look dazed and confused and try to fly away. And sure enough, an hour later, it'd fly over and slam right into the window again. And I sat there and I thought, that bird is the stupidest bird in the world. And, and it stayed there the whole summer. And, 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 and as I was thinking about, you know, hey, birds, in my opinion, and, and you know, I know they serve a purpose and, and, and God didn't make any mistakes. He created them. I just I guess they don't appreciate his creation in, in the area of, uh, of birds as much as someone else does. Uh, but I was thinking about, you know, that stupid bird kept on flying into that window time and time again. And you know what? That bird lived the whole summer. It lived the whole summer. And you know why it lived that whole summer? Because God provided the food that that bird needed, I guess for my entertainment for the summer, uh, for flying into that window. Uh, you know, but God feeds the birds of the air. They don't have this involved, intricate process of, uh, of, uh, of acquiring food. They don't plan, they don't plant, and they don't produce food. You know, they, they do work hard and, and, and God, you know, they work hard to build a nest and God provides the food for them that they go and find and gather and bring back and they feed themselves and they feed their young. You know, but, but they don't have this intricate plan. Well, hey, it's springtime. We better start planning and, and planning our menu for, for the year and, and better start stockpiling food. They just go and find it. And God provides it for them. And as we think about that, you know what? We are certainly more valuable than the birds of the air. And if God feeds them, He will feed us. And we know we know for a fact that we're more valuable than those birds. 
And we know because of two important things. First of all, God has created us in His image. We're the only creation made in His image. That sets us apart. That makes us special. That makes us unique. And the second reason why we know that we're more important uh, than the birds of the air and, and any other creation is we're redeemed by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Birds and animals don't have souls. They don't. Jesus didn't die on the cross for that stupid bird that flew into the window, window two summers ago. But He died on the cross for my sin. So Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? Don't worry about food or what you will drink. You know what? God provides for the birds and you are more valuable than they are. If God provides for them, He certainly will provide for your needs. If God takes care of the insignificant creatures like the birds, He'll take care of us who are created in His image and who have become His children through faith in Jesus Christ. We don't need to worry. God will take care of us. Jesus goes on in the third statement there about worry. He says, don't worry, it doesn't prolong life. In verse 27, it picks up and says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? You know, I had the privilege and the opportunity to grow up in a small town, and my grandparents lived within a five-mile radius of me. Uh, my, my dad's parents were a five-minute uh, five car ride, and, and my, my, my mom's parents were, were a two-block walk from my house. And I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, and I loved that. I loved that I got to grow up and, and have them a part of my life. And, and, and my mom's parents, like I said, were, were two blocks away from me. So when, when there was no food in our house, I went to Graham's house because she had food. And I love spending time with my Graham, and I, and I spent a lot of time down there, and she taught me how to play rummy, and we played lots of cards and everything like that. And I loved my Graham, but there was one thing that I noticed pretty quickly about my Graham. She was a worrier, and she worried about her grandkids. She worried a lot about her grandkids. She was, she was consumed with, with worrying that we would be safe and, that, and, that, uh, and all different kinds of things. And, 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 she, and when you spent time with her, you know, you just in conversation, you knew that she worried about you. And she worried about what was going to happen to you and what, uh, and what choices you were going to make and different things like that. And, 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 I, and, I often said to, and I often said to her, you know, Graham, worrying's not going to add any hours to your life. And, and that's pretty much what Jesus says here. Worry cannot lengthen our lifespan. As a matter of fact, you can worry yourself to death, but not to life. You can worry yourself to death, but not to life. And as I was thinking about my grandma, you know, I don't know if, if worry sh shortened her life, but you know what? Worry robbed her life. It robbed her of a lot of life because she spent a lot of time thinking about things, the what if things. Have you been there? Have you, have you thought about the what if? Well, what if this happens? Well, what if I go to the doctor and they say this? Well, what if I don't have the money for this? Or what if that? Or what if that? You know, when we spend a lot of time living in the what if, that worry robs us of life. And Jesus says here, worry is not going to lengthen our life. Dr. Charles Mayo of the Mayo Clinic said this, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. I've never met a man or known a man to die of overwork, but I have known a lot who died of worry. 
Jesus says, don't worry, it's not going to lengthen your life. You're, you're, you're not going to prolong your life by worrying. And, and, and if you spend your life worrying, it's going to rob you of life. It may not necessarily shorten it, but it's going to shorten the, the quality or, 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 or decrease the quality of your life. It's going to rob you of living in the here and now. Final thing that Jesus says is, he says, don't worry. And, and again, he says, God cares for creation. Look at the flowers and the grass. In verses 28, it says this, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor and spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. That how, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. And again here we see that, 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 that God cares for creation. He cares for the flowers. And I don't know about you, but you know we see a lot of beautiful flowers up front here on a weekly basis. Uh, Mrs. Rittenhouse has, a, has a, a beautiful garden and she brings in these flowers. And I'm sure a lot of you at your house has, have these beautiful flower beds that you spend a lot of time. You know what the cool thing about flowers is? You plant them and they grow. And when you look at them, you need to realize that God created them and made them in, in these beautiful ways that it's not like you have done anything to make them beautiful. God made them that way. And, and, and Jesus is saying here is, hey, we don't need to worry about the, the clothes that we wear because God clothes the flowers. He created their beauty. He designed them and He causes them to grow. And He goes on to say, you know what? Matter of fact, those flowers are so much more beautiful than even Solomon's finest clothing. And we know that Solomon was the richest man to ever live. He had money coming out his ears. I mean, he had so much money he didn't know what to do with. And if he wanted to, he could have probably wore a different outfit for every hour of the day. He would have had the latest and greatest, the finest in all clothing. And Jesus says, you know what? The flowers, they're more beautiful than any of Solomon's finest clothing. And if God clothes the flowers, who we only enjoy for a season, right? You know, we plant in the springtime and we enjoy them throughout the summer. And then what, what are you doing right now if you have flower beds? You're pulling out the dead flowers. You're getting rid of the dead flowers. And, and Jesus says, hey, God clothes the flowers. He causes them to grow. But their beauty is temporary. Their lifespan ends. And then it says, you know, that, that the women in, in Jesus' day, when the flowers would die, they would gather them up and they would put them in their little furnace to bake bread because it would help it to, to get hotter and, and, and the fire to, to, to catch on quicker. But the point is, you know what? If Jesus clothes the flowers in this beauty, he will certainly clothe us. He will certainly clothe us. We are so much more valuable than they are, again, because we're created in His image and we're redeemed by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. So we're, more, we're certainly more valuable than the flowers and He will clothe us. And so those are the four statements that Jesus makes about why we shouldn't worry. And then in the end of chapter, I mean, of verse 30 in, in, in chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus tells us that when we worry, we have little faith. When we worry, we have little faith. When we worry about life's necessities, we have little faith in God. We have little faith in God's promise to care for us, and we have little faith in God's power to deliver on that promise. When we worry about life's necessities, we have little faith in God's care for us and His promise to deliver on that promise to care for us. That's what worry is. 
And if you think about worry, worry is always about tomorrow, isn't it? I don't know about you, but we're, you know, we always seem to manage to get through today. And then we worry, well, you know, what are we going to have tomorrow? Or are we going to have enough for tomorrow? And, and Jesus says, when we worry, we have little faith. We have little faith in God's promise to provide for our needs and the power to fulfill that promise. And think about it. He gives us those two pictures from creation, the birds and the flowers, so that we can look at them and our faith can be strengthened. We can look at the birds and think, you know what? God feeds the birds. He's going to feed us. We can look at the flowers. God clothes the flowers. He knows that we need clothing. He'll provide that for us. Jesus tells us when we worry, we have little faith. And then in verse 31 and 32, Jesus tells us worrying is the way of the world. Worrying is the way of the world. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Again, Jesus says, don't worry about food and clothing. Don't worry about the necessities of life. Uh, He's saying, don't worry about those necessities of life. And, and, And he's saying, people without God naturally worry about these things. People without God naturally worry about the necessities of life. They naturally worry about, you know, what they're going to eat and, and, and where they're going to live and, and, and the food. And, and they, they worry about that because they don't recognize that there's a God who loves them and cares for them. They don't have a relationship with the Heavenly Father who, who will take care of them. And so they have to worry because they're responsible to provide on their own. If they don't have a God and they don't trust a God who, who, who will provide for their needs, then they're, it's up to them to provide for their needs. So the pagans worry because they have no relationship with God. They don't believe in a God who cares about us and, and, and cares what's best for us and will provide for our needs. But we have a Heavenly Father who loves us and will care for us. He will provide what we need. He knows what we need and He will provide what we need. And so... We don't need to worry. We don't need to go the way of the world. And so in, the, in these first few verses, Jesus is saying we need to have faith in God's providence. We need to have faith in God's providence. We need to not worry and realize that God owns everything. He controls everything. And he provides everything that we need. That's what he's trying to communicate to us. And then these two closing verses, Jesus moves on to the second point that we need to make God's will our main priority. We need to make God's will our main priority. We need to have faith in God's providence and we need to make God's will our main priority. It says this in verse 33, but seek the king, first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we need to make God's will our main priority. And he tells us to seek first two things. The first thing he tells us, seek first his kingdom. And we know that this isn't a territory, this is not a, this is not a piece of land, but this is, this is God's dominion, God's rule. This is God's will. We need to seek first God's will. And, and when we seek first his kingdom, basically what that means is we're pouring our lives into selfless service of God. That's what it means to seek first his kingdom, to pour our lives into selfless service of God. Paul fleshes this out in Acts 20, 24, when he says, However, I consider my life nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task 
the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Paul understood what seeking first the kingdom of God was. He said that, you know, that my main focus, I'm going to pour my life into selfless service of God, to making God known, to sharing uh, the way that people can come to know Jesus Christ. To seek God's kingdom is to seek to win people into that kingdom, that they might be saved and that God might be glorified. And so we need to make God's will our main priority. If we're going to overcome worry, we need to stop focusing on that worry. We need to make God's will our main priority. First, His kingdom, and we also need to seek His righteousness. And basically, that's just simply just to pursue a life of holiness, to pursue holy living. Paul again in Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the, the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. I like that last statement. To redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You know what? If we seek first his righteousness, we are eager to do what is good. We're eager to do what is right. We're eager to live a different life, to be set apart, to be holy. And, and if we want to, to overcome and win the battle of worry, we can't let worry dominate our thoughts, but we need to, we need to, to, to make seeking God's will our main priority, to seek first His kingdom, to seek first His righteousness. Because when we worry, we focus on us and serving ourselves, not on our Savior and serving Him. And so if we're going to make God's will our, our main priority, we need to seek first His kingdom, seek first His righteousness. And then Jesus ends in verse 34 and He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know what? We're to serve God and to seek to be holy one day at a time. We're to seek to live our life one day at a time. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. We can't change yesterday. We can only affect today. And so as we think about this, this, this focus on, on, on making God's will our main priority, we need to focus on what we do today. What we do today. Because that's all that we can do. Uh, someone once said, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Do you get that? Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. That's talking about a life of worry. That's talking about, you know what, if worry dominates your life, you worried yesterday about today. Today you're going to worry about tomorrow. And tomorrow you'll worry about the next day. And if that's our, if that's our focus, then we can't make God and His will our main priority because worry has got a grip on our life that we just can't get past, that we just can't break. Focus on honoring God today, successfully meeting the temptations, the trials, the struggles, and the opportunities that come our way today. Jesus says, hey, we need to, maintain, we need to focus and make His, His will our main priority, and, and we need to do that one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just focus on today. Focus on living and seeking His kingdom and seeking His righteousness today. That's what he's challenging us with. 
And so we need to have faith in God's providence and we need to make God's will our main priority. And as I was thinking about um, worry, I was thinking, you know, that, that's, that's great. That, that's great encouragement. But if you're like me, I can be encouraged by that and I can walk out of here this afternoon and I can start to worry. And, 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 and I need something to help me kind of overcome this worry and, 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 and to, to, re, to, to remember that, hey, God's in control and he, he's provided everything and, and he wants me to, to make his will my number one priority. And so at the end of your notes, I put, I put a little um, uh, five steps how we can overcome worry and how we can overcome anxious, anxiousness and anxiety. And these five things that, that I've kind of read from different places and kind of put them together, and, and these five steps I think will help us when worry sets in. And the first step is this, is ask yourself, why am I anxious? Why am I worrying? I think the first step is comes to identifying. Hey, name the pressures. Name the pressures that we face. You know, we always worry about something, so take an anxiety inventory. Write it down. What do you worry about? Why am I anxious? What am I worrying about? What are the pressures that, that are causing me to worry? And so you've got to start by recognizing what do you worry about. The second step is identify how you express that worry or that anxiety. You've got to realize, you know, okay, now how does that come across? Uh, what behavior or feelings is caused by that worry? You know, uh, uh, in my house, you know, I, I chew my fingernails, and it's a terrible habit, and unfortunately, I think my kids are picking up on that, and my wife reminds me of that uh, all the time, and, and when I'm chewing my fingernails, you know what her question is? What are you worried about? What are you worried about? But you know what? People do a lot of different things when they're worried. Some people eat. Uh, when you're worried, you eat, you know, you, or, or when you worry, uh, you just kind of withdraw, and, and you kind of disconnect. And, and you, you may be present physically, but you're not present there emotionally and mentally. You're just kind of going through the motions. But, you know, we need to identify uh, how we express anxiety, and everyone expresses it differently. The third thing is we need to go to God's Word. Once we realize, hey, you know, this is what I'm worried about, this is how I express it, we need to go to God's Word, and we need to claim His promises. God has given us lots and lots of promises through His Scriptures about lots of those issues that we worry about. And so if we're worried about something specific, we need to go to God's Word and, say, and see what He says about it. And then, you know what? We can memorize that verse, or we can write it on a note card. We can take it with us. And when we feel that worry set in, we get it out, and we meditate on God's Word. We read it over and over and over again, and let God's Word sink into our life and transform our behavior. The, th the fourth thing we can do is we can go to God in prayer. We can go to God in prayer. We can give God our worries. Isn't it great to know that we have a God who's big enough to handle any of our problems? He's big enough to handle any of our problems. As a matter of fact, He knows what we're worried about, so we might as well just tell Him. We might as well just go to, to Him in prayer and just communicate to Him. And in 1 Peter 5, it says, Cast all your cares on, onto Christ because He cares for you. We can give Him our anxiety. We can communicate and cry out to Him and says. And just give it to Him and ask Him to take it from us. Ask Him to, to, to help keep our focus on serving Him and not on this worry. And finally, the last thing, we need to serve and we, or we need to give. You know what? If we're worried, if we're consumed about something, that's the perfect time 
to get involved in service. That's the perfect time to give back. You know, serving God is following His will. That's, that's seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. When we serve God and serve others, we're, we're, we're doing what verse, you know, 33 and 34 told us to do in Matthew 6. And so we need to serve. We need, we need to give back. We need to kind of change our, our focus and our perspective. And that's what service does. When we serve someone else, when we serve God, it helps to change our focus and change our perspective. George Mueller said this in Christianity Today, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. You know what? We all face worry. We all face it on different levels for different things. But it's pretty clear from Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus says we should not worry. It's a sin when we worry, and we can overcome worry. We just need to focus on His will and seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. And hopefully, these five steps will help you to overcome that worry that creeps into your life, that chokes the life out of you, that distracts you from living the life that God wants you to live. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You are our God, You're our Heavenly Father, and that You own everything. And that You care for us and that You provide for us. That You've given us uh, everything that we need. And, And Lord, forgive us when we worry about the basic necessities of this life, realizing that when we worry, it's just a matter of, of distrusting you, distrusting that, that you're going to follow through on your promise to meet our needs and, and, and distrusting that you have the power to do that. Lord, forgive us when we've allowed worry to rob us of hours of our life and, 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 and the focus of our life. is Because uh, when we worry, we're, we're focused on us. We're not focused on you. And Jesus, I pray that you would help me and help all of us this week as we, as we seek to leave here and live for you, that, that we would win the war against worry. That with your power and with your strength and, 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 and claiming your promises, that, that we would not let the evil one trip us up with worry. But we would live lives of genuine faith, trusting that you're our God, that you love us and you'll take care of us and living lives of service to you. In Jesus' name.